Mason's marks are part of the construction system of medieval and later buildings. They're there to enable information to be transmitted between two groups of people, one of which may be literate, the other may not. But it's a system which stands outside literacy. It's a system which is simple to use and is universal. It's still in use today for certain instances and it's been in use for 4,000 years, perhaps more. It consists of marks being made on the stone by the people who are cutting the stone. And these marks served a whole variety of different purposes. Um, the simplest one is they enabled the paymaster to see who had done the work and therefore how to pay them. And we've got the evidence for this from medieval documents. This building is called the Barn. It's in Kenilworth and it's a rather enigmatic building. As it stands now, it's the museum for the town and the priory, and it stands between the parish church and the famous Kenilworth Castle. It's obvious it's had a lot of different uses in its time, but what's more interesting from our point of view is that at a later date, they turned it into a mason's workshop. And we think that masons who were working on the castle actually were based here. The evidence is actually around us. On the walls themselves, we can see design drawings where somebody's been working out problems. I mean, we're calling this a pair of compasses. Strictly speaking, it looks more like a pair of dividers, but it's in fact compasses with two points, two sharp points, and these are uh, mason's ones. Now, the masons have to learn how to use these and to use them on stone. And of course, it's quite, an, quite a, a business scribing on stone. They've also got to check that the points of these are sharp. Um, these are steel ones, the medieval ones would have been iron, and they go blunt quite quickly. So we've got all sorts of arcs and designs on the walls where masons have been testing their compasses. The documents tell us that the gatehouse was built by Abbot Bradway between 1361 and 75, and rather nicely an unusual mason's mark from this building is also present on the gateway. So we think these must have been built at about the same time. If we know our two buildings are related by the same family within the same set period, then it's possible to see the transfer of masons between both of these. However, it has to be careful doing this from buildings within a large date distance or vacation span. Well, we just assembled a bit of flat pack furniture uh, using the uh, information that came with it, which required us to be able to follow a set of written instructions. In the Middle Ages, they'd have done it quite differently. To start with, nobody would have had written instructions because they didn't use literacy in that way. Instead, what they would have done would be to have marked across all the joints with a, ser a series of ciphers so that it would be immediately obvious which bit went with which bit and there'd be no possibility of putting things in upside down, back to front. And best of all, the person that made the pieces didn't have to be the same person that actually built it. The use of assembly marks within great buildings would provide ease for the fabrication of structures and therefore these could be used within the flat pack furniture to put it together easier without the need of literacy and complicated, uh, hard to understand instructions. The mason's marks we've been looking at up to now are more like the autograph ones to identify who cut the block. These are ones which are in sequences and they're usually based on Roman numerals because they're easy to cut and it's also a straightforward numeric system and we call them assembly marks because that's what they do and you can identify them or separate them from the banker marks or the, the uh, marks from the men who cut the stone by the fact that you can see a numeric sequence in them. So, for instance, if we wanted to join this piece and this piece together, the simplest thing to do would be to take a mark on that side and a mark on that side, 
mark it across like that, so you'd know that those two pieces belong together. And if we've got these pieces that are similar to those pieces but have to go at this end, we might do something like this. So that they're different. But you can see that those two belong together and those two belong together. So, we've got the end of this piece of timber and on this I can write my number. I can put a different number on here. Where it's going to go on here, I put the same mark. That one and that one. Now if it was critical, the way up that it went, I can add an extra mark to it. I can put an arrow, which is a universal for up. Again, it's not going to show in the final work because it's within the part that's going to be covered over by the draw sides. Now it is now impossible to put this draw front on the wrong way. We find mason's marks all over the world, uh, wherever the stonemasons have been working. And I've got a project at the moment working with a couple of Spanish academics on the great cathedral of Santiago de Compostela, the great pilgrimage centre. And um, what we're doing there is trying to solve the problem of how the building was actually constructed, in what order was it built. And by recording each example of the mason mark precisely to site, and then compiling a database of those marks, we can interrogate it to find out where each piece of stone was used in the building. And we're looking at questions like the, the very thorny one of how does the Portico de la Gloria, the fabulous late 12th century uh, sculptured portico, how does that relate to the rest of the building? Because nobody's been quite certain yet as to how that was built. We've already discovered on our preliminary work there that the mason's marks relate very closely to the rest of the building. And it seems that the portico was constructed ahead of the sculpture. We've got plenty more to do there. And this is going to be quite a long-term project, but we have started work on it.